0: Wretched radio begins in three, two, one. Seriously, if you want to relieve stress, go to the Word of God. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's just so weird, isn't it? We lose say stuff like that. I
1: apologize for it. Are you kidding me? Let's all do baptism, and I have a little pool here, and we'll all feel nice and relaxed. That's baptism no baptism is a
2: sacred christian right all the various yogas are sacred hindu rites.
0: wake up america it's time for wretched radio with todd Friel. Right, it is a
3: witness wednesday here at wretched radio i'm jimmy hicks in the studio which can only mean that todd and the team are out on campus today looking for innocent victims i mean precious students To talk to, to share the gospel with. And today they're back out at beautiful Kennesaw State University in Kennesaw, Georgia, which is roughly about, I guess I'd say an hour northwest of downtown Atlanta. I say roughly because, you know, with Atlanta traffic, it could be three, maybe four hours just all depends on what, well, they're not really able to figure that one out just yet, which is why the traffic around here is so weird and wonky all the time. But I digress. We're not here to talk about Atlanta traffic. We're here to eavesdrop on Todd, talking Jesus to college students. So let's send it out to Todd now on campus again at Kennesaw State University. Todd? Connor, this is
1: not what I was going to ask you about, but because you're an art major, I'm gonna. Did you ever take art history? I have not, no. Do you believe that art represents either the views of the artist or the attitude and the philosophies of the culture of its age? Probably the attitude and philosophy. Somehow, whatever the culture is believing, it kind of shows up in their art. Right. Do you think that there's a little bit of the artist in the artist? painting um i do think yeah do you believe that there can be a painting without a painter absolutely how
4: uh through other people doing it you could tell someone to paint some something
1: sure but that's but somebody's doing it i'm I'm saying i know it's a weird question right you because it's like well of course you need a painter to have a painting right do you need a builder to have a building um I, I do think that. Do you need a creator to have a creation? Yes, I do think that. All right, so we intuit that there must be some sort of higher being than us to have all of this stuff. All right, so, Connor, here's the question of the day. It's also the question du jour. Who do you think that creator is? Um, I mean, I'm Christian, so God. Then God is the creator, all right? And who is this God? If I came to you and i said connor who do you think god is what would you tell me an envisionist i mean i'm not sure i've obviously never met him so an
4: envisionist i've never heard that term what does it mean i guess he had the the thought to create life and to have purpose for that life to do something we might not know it but i still think there's that purpose
1: there's a reason for all of this right but you don't know for sure what it is no um you know what, I think I would argue that statement. Do you mind if I do that for a second? That's fine. I'm a, I'm a Christian and, and the Bible says that God has works that he has prepared for you to do. Specifically, it says God has prepared works for you to step into. The question of course is what are those works? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So your purpose, your reason for existence, the reason all of this exists is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's what I think our purpose is. What do you think of that? I'd have to agree. So what does it mean to glorify God, do you think? Uh, Spread his message.
4: Worship him. What is his message? It's a broad question. To love those who do not sin and to not sin
1: and. So, to behave and tell other people to behave too? All right. How have you been doing uh, with that message? Have you been behaving? Probably not in his intention. Ups and downs. Ups and downs. So, what are the consequences for those ups and downs?
4: I mean, in his eyes, I'm not sure. But
1: I've had my consequences from other people. When you do wrong, you pay a price for it. Right. Yeah. So, if that's true with people, so you know, you beat up your little brother, and then he grew up and got bigger than you and beat you up. Okay. So you you paid for it, if you will. But if we have to pay for our crimes done against others, what about the wrong things we've done and sinned against God? How does that get paid for? I'm not sure. Are you asking if he pays for it? I'm just asking. Your sins require a payment. Because the wages, the payment for sins is death, according to the Bible. So that means you're going to die because we do. We all die. But then because you've earned the wage of death, it's also eternal death where we pay for our crimes against God forever in a place called hell. God's prison, his eternal prison. So if you've sinned against God How are you going to have your sins paid for? Are you going to pay for them forever in hell? Or does God have another means for your sins to be paid for? I guess it would depend maybe upon the sin
4: that you commit or how he believes he should, I guess, punish you for those sins. But um, I guess just based off the text, I guess hell's the, the punishment.
1: You said it depends on what the what the sin is. Let's try some. Have you ever lied to anyone? Yes. How many times? Too many to count. Okay, so a lot of times. Have you ever stolen anything? No, I've never done that. You're not lying to me now, are you? No. <laughs> it, even as a kid, like something that didn't belong to you from another kid, a pencil, maybe coins from your parents' purse, anything like that? I mean,
4: if a pencil's on the ground and nobody's there to pick it up, I
1: don't know if that's stealing. They're downloading music, anything like that, that would be taking from somebody. How's about this? You've had a job, right? I have a job. Did you always work every single minute or were there times when you goofed around and slacked off? There were times I goofed off and slacked. So in a sense, you were stealing from your employer because you weren't earning your wage. You are freeloading. Okay. Sounds like a modest deal, but that's a way that we can steal stuff. All right. So one might get a little trickier. Lust. Have you ever looked at a woman and lusted after her? Yeah. you're a guy, and that's what we guys do, right? Okay. Jesus said, you've heard it said of old, thou shall not commit adultery. But I say, if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Because God goes beyond what we do on the outside. He sees the intentions of our heart. Have you ever murdered anybody? No. Have you ever been angry at somebody? Yeah. Because you live in Atlanta, and you drive, and you murder in your heart. Okay, because that's exactly what Jesus said, too. And the Bible teaches that when we're angry in our heart, it's akin to murder. Now, it's not as bad as physically killing somebody, but the motive, the heart is there. And God sees that, too. All right. So, Connor, you just said that you're a lying, thieving, adulterer, and a murderer at heart. Pretty serious crimes. God calls your number. You die. You stand before the judge, God himself. The books are open on Connor's life. He knows every thought, every word, every deed, everything you've done that you didn't think anybody saw, every imagination that would cause you shame if your mother knew what you were thinking. The books are wide open. Would God, if he's just, find you innocent or guilty?
4: Um. Personally, I think he'd find me guilty just because, like you were saying, it is in my heart which is, I guess, the true true nature. Even if you didn't do it physically, you still did it mentally. So
1: I guess he would commit me as a guilty. So what do you think God would do with you, Connor? Take you into heaven or send you to hell?
4: I'd like him to take me to heaven, but I'm unsure. What if
1: you're standing before a judge guilty? You've got a fine, a debt it's millions you have no chance of paying it the judge is about to slam his gavel and somebody rushes into the courtroom and says your honor stop i know connor and i love connor and he doesn't have millions of dollars but i do and i'm going to pay his fine if the judge received that payment for your debt you're free to go you can be a criminal whose case has been dismissed you said you're a christian connor Let's talk about the eternal courtroom. You're standing before God. You should be damned for your crimes against Him. Connor, who paid your fine for you? Like, who's already passed away, you think? Or like. I'm not going to give you a hint. Who's paid, according to the Bible, who has paid the fine for Connor? Uh, Jesus. How did He do that?
4: He was crucified and He gave him His life for us. So I believe that, I guess, he in turn could pay that fine.
1: That's what he was doing. That was the point of the cross. It wasn't just an act of foolishness. He wasn't a lawbreaker. He never broke any law. He went to the cross on purpose as an innocent man who never sinned on behalf of sinners because there was something judicial, something very legal that was taking place 2,000 years ago. God the Father was pouring out the wrath that you deserve on his own son to pay your fine so that your court case could be dismissed so that God could see you as a forgiven criminal. That is who paid your fine for you according to Christianity. So you don't have to go to hell. Your court case can be forgiven But there's another there's another
3: addition to this that's important. Okay, stop. Hang tight. Just a second. We'll get back to Todd and his gospel presentation to Connor just as quickly as we possibly can. We just have to take this really quick break and we will return to Todd and Connor at Kennesaw State University. It's a Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio.
1: Just when you think that this organization can't be any more fine, the Masters Academy International, this is a ministry worthy of your consideration and support. Training indigenous pastors now in 17 nations around the globe to efficiently equip men who speak the language, know their communities, know the culture, to rightly divide the word of truth and fill empty pulpits. It is brilliant, it is wise, and it is efficient. Please consider supporting the Masters Academy International, wretched.org slash pastor. But if that doesn't persuade you, they're dedicating a week of prayer and they're inviting you to join them in praying for indigenous pastors who are under a great deal of pressure and even threats, please give your consideration to the Master's Academy International at wretchedorg slash pastor.
3: How would you like to be considered the second smartest person on the planet behind this guy? It was a, it was a, it was, it was. Okay, maybe that was a bad example. But what I'm trying to say is becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner is one of the wisest decisions you'll ever make. Gospel Partners Media is a 501c3 nonprofit, meaning all financial gifts are tax deductible. But other than that, why should you consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? Simple, because it's your gifts that help us create compelling gospel-centered content that reach millions of people all over the world. And we're members in good standing with the ECFA, the financial accountability folks who audit our books yearly to keep us transparent and accountable to our gospel partners. And 83% of every dollar you give goes directly to ministry. So would you prayerfully consider partnering with us at Gospel Partners Media? Just visit wretched.org donate to get complete details. We think it's one of the wisest investments you can make. Wretched.org slash donate.
1: Let's visit a preborn life center in action.
4: Look at that baby. Abortion pill reversal actually
2: works. That's a beating heart.
3: Oh, look how small it is.
1: Tell me That doesn't encourage you to consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched $28 purchases a free ultrasound for a mommy who will choose life. It is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. Would you please consider supporting preborn centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time, saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched.
0: Important Dates in Christian History 1536. John Calvin publishes The Institutes of the Christian Religion, the most substantial theological work of the Reformation. Calvin's ideas would deeply influence church and politics in Switzerland and Scotland and take root in the newly discovered North America. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And welcome
3: back. It is Witness Wednesday here at Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio, of course, and Todd and team are out on campus at Kennesaw State University today. And when we left them, if you remember, Todd was in the middle of a gospel presentation to Connor who is a professing Christian. So we don't want to take any more time away from that conversation. Let's get right back to Todd and Connor now at Kennesaw State University.
1: It's one thing to be forgiven. So let's just say Jesus died for your sins and you're forgiven. There's still nothing about you that should cause God to say, not only do I forgive, I'm going to give him heaven. I'm going to actually let him inherit eternal life and be with me forever. There's no reason that he should do that. except. Jesus never lied. Jesus never stole anything. He never dishonored his parents. He never looked with lust. He always did the right thing. He was accruing a bank account full of righteousness. And he says, I'm willing to give that to Connor too. So not only can Connor be seen as forgiven, he can actually be seen as the righteousness of God so that God can look at you and see you as if you had lived the life of Jesus Christ. That is what God is willing to do For you. Now, the question, though, Connor, is forgiveness is available. Adoption into his family is available. Righteousness is available. Everlasting life is available to you right now. The question is, how do you get that? What transaction needs to take place for you to receive all that God offers for you in Jesus Christ? Do you know? Worship. Well, that's what we should do. But somehow a transaction needs to take place. God offers you mercy and forgiveness. And there's a reason that he does that. I don't know how this is going to hit you, but this is what God says. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life because God loves you a sinner, a rebel by nature, somebody who doesn't do good, who doesn't worship him the way that we should. Nevertheless, he loves us and he proved it by sending his son to die for us so that we could be forgiven and be the righteousness of God in Christ. But Jesus said that unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God What do you think Jesus meant when he said, unless Connor is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God? What was he getting at?
4: I guess if he's just done so wrong that he's like been born again, he isn't like righteous enough to be able to have eternal life with God.
1: Let's be literal. Jesus said you have to be born again. All right. So let's just think physically. Connor, do you have the ability to be physically reborn? Probably not. You would have to go into your mother's womb and you're. Too big for that, and it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So he wasn't talking about a a physical thing. So it must be the spiritual realm that he's talking about. So here's here's what the Bible tells us about ourselves. You and I are born spiritually dead. We're dead men walking. We're rebels against God by our nature because we like to do our own thing. God has to make us spiritually alive, and here's how that that transaction works. You come to the recognition that you are a dead man. You come to the recognition that you have been living for all the wrong things, that you have not been living for the one who made you, that you've been living for yourself and you've been breaking his laws knowingly because you've got a conscience and that you justly deserve temporal and eternal punishment. But you learn that Jesus Christ died in your place and you realize that. I don't want my lifestyle. I don't want my way of living. I don't want the sins. I don't want the lust. I don't want the pornography. I don't want the dirty deeds. I want none of that. I want the one who died for me. God says when you come to the end of yourself, you die to self. He'll make you born again. He'll give you everlasting life. He'll make you a new creature. He'll give you a new heart with new desires, new affections, and he will adopt you into his family when you repent you turn from your sins and you put your trust in Jesus Christ. Think of it like this. A man comes home from work, gets out of his car. He's got a bag of groceries. and He's got his backpack and he's carrying them into the house. And his kids that he just adores come bursting out of the door yelling, daddy, daddy. What's that man going to do? He's not going to hold on to his stuff. As important as the groceries and his bag of work is, it's not nearly as valuable as his kids. So he drops it to embrace the better thing. That's what repentance is. The sins that you currently love, because we all have sins we love, just done with them. I want God. That's what it means to turn from your sins and to put your trust in Jesus Christ, not to earn forgiveness, but because forgiveness has been totally and completely earned for you. And that way, when you step into eternity and God says to you, inherit the kingdom prepared for you, it is totally based on his credit totally based on everything that he's done not yours because it is a gift from god not of works, so that no man can boast connor here's the big question i'm a total stranger man and you let me invade your world and share this with you is what i just said to you true or a lie um i mean it's the truth in your eyes
4: or in god's eyes or whoever believes this is the truth
1: Nope, nope, I believe this is a yellow elephant. I'm wrong. My belief doesn't make it so. Jesus didn't exist because I think he existed. Jesus didn't die on a cross because I believe that he did. He either did or he didn't. When he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, nobody comes to the Father but through me, that's either true or false. You don't have an easy out on this deal. You can't say, well, it's just my belief. Mm mm I made a claim. I made what I I think is a factual statement or a falsified statement. And my belief or your lack thereof doesn't make it true or false. The question is, was Jesus lying when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? That's the question for you today. I don't think he was lying. Then he's your God and he commands you this day to repent and put your trust in him, to be forgiven of your sins and to inherit eternal life. That is his command and it's his gracious offer. He says, if you do that, I will not cast you out. I will forgive you, adopt you. I will hold you in my hand and I will never let you go. When you die, I will take you to heaven because I'm the God who loves you and dies for sinners. So Connor, you said when we started that you're a Christian. But Jesus said in order to actually be a Christian, you must be born again. You must have died to self. Put your trust fully and totally in him, where he is now the centerpiece of your life. Do you think this moment still that you're actually a Christian? Probably, yes. Probably, yes. Why do you say that? It's just,
4: I guess, how I believe. So it's how I'm going to treat my life, worship my way.
1: Is it possible that maybe today might be the day of salvation for you, that maybe you just didn't have all of the information needed to fully grasp the faith that you say you profess, and that maybe you do need to be born again, and that today you do need to talk to God about the state of your soul and how you've been living and how you're going to live in the future. Is it possible that maybe as I walk away that you need to actually call out to God, maybe for the first time? Repenting of your sins and putting your trust in His Son, because the good news is, if you do, you're saved. It's a guarantee. But don't deceive yourself, because He's He's not one to be tricked. Okay, so don't be self-deceived, because a lot of people can be. If you don't remember when you were born again, you're not. Okay, if you, if you don't remember, you know what? I have stopped living for myself. I do love the Lord with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you probably don't, but it's so much better to come to that conclusion today and humble yourself than to face him on judgment day when he says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. You don't want to hear those words. It is final. It is sealed. You don't want to hear that. You want to hear, come inherit the kingdom. Well done, good and faithful servant. So Connor, I don't know your heart. I I don't know what's going on, but at least... Take some time today to think this through really carefully, because God wants you to know that you're his child. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to have a cleansed conscience. He wants you to have hope. He wants you to have purpose in your life. He doesn't want you to be depressed. He doesn't want you pursuing lesser things. He wants absolutely the best for you in every regard. He's good and he's kind, but you got to come to him on his terms. And it's his kindness that should lead you to repent, not because he's an ogre, not just because you might be afraid of hell, but because he's been so kind to save you from hell. You should run to that God because nobody's ever been nicer to you than him. So as I walk away, would you at least take some time to think about that? Yeah, I will. And if you conclude, I'm not right with God. I just want to make sure you understand this. What do you need to do in response to the good news that Jesus died for you, a sinner? What needs to happen? Repeated it several times. Repent and put your trust in Jesus Christ, and he'll forgive you and grant you everlasting life.
3: All right? Fair enough? So is Connor genuinely born again? I really don't think any of us can honestly answer that question. Only God has the knowledge of Connor's salvation. But what we all can do is pray for him, not because we think he's deceived and lying to himself, but because we really do desire for Connor to be not only truly reconciled to God, but to know for certain that he is. So let's all commit to that. Let's all commit to praying for Connor at Kennesaw State University. It is a Witness Wednesday, and this is Wretched Radio you This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Middle school in New Jersey has caused quite the stir. It seems students were recently shown a video on the testosterone injections of LGBT activist Aiden Dowling, in addition to a slideshow about gender ideologies. Days later, the school hosted Dowling at an assembly. Reports indicate that parents were notified of the assembly and given an opt-out option. But that same notification and opt-out did not happen regarding the video and some parents spoke out at a recent school board meeting saying they felt blindsided and this is just one example of why Florida passed the newly enacted parental rights and education law hopefully other states will follow the lead And speaking of that new Florida law, let's listen in to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis as he shares his thoughts on the opposition the bill has received from Disney of all places. They don't run this state. They will never run this state as long as I'm governor. And even more on the law, this from an actual Florida resident and Teacher, You know, we're not going to share random opinions here at Wretched. No, no, no. We're going to share the thoughts of those affected by these laws.
2: It scares me that I'm not going to be able to have these conversations with my children.
3: These are students, not your buddies. And they're also five okay enough about the florida parental rights law moving on recently an icu nurse shared a tweet that's gone viral the tweet was simply a photo taken of a question and answer during a required work-related training quote obesity is a result of overeating and not exercising the nurse answered as you might suspect true to that statement and a pop-up appeared telling her that she was incorrect the only other option is false And, well, I don't think that statement is false. You know, I'm not a nutritionist, I'm not a personal trainer, I'm not a doctor. But I did stay at Holiday Inn Express last night. But I'd like to think I have a sliver of common sense. Apparently the writers of this test don't, however. Six masked men in central India reportedly killed a pastor earlier this month outside of his home. They slashed and shot him to death in front of his wife and his daughter-in-law. The pastor's name was found among 22 other pastor's names in a list that was issued in January demanding the pastors leaving the pastoralship of the Christian faith and failing to do so would lead to required action being taken against them. India ranked 10th on the Open Doors 2022 list of countries where it's most difficult to be a Christian. And another country on that list, Nigeria, has seen its share of Christian persecution this year as well. Recently, it was reported that Fulani herdsmen killed 50 Christians and abducted 100 more in Kaduna State. As we frequently remind you, please continue to pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters in Nigeria, in India, and everywhere abroad. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks.
0: of the Bible. The Apostle Peter wrote a second epistle to clarify and defend the Christian message. He asserts the authority of Scripture, warns against false teachers, and reminds us that the end is coming. But God is patient, allowing all of his people to come to repentance. If you want a clear contrast between true and false Christianity, look to 2 Peter. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And
3: welcome back to Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio. Of course, while Todd and the team are out on campus today at Kennesaw State University talking with students about the most important thing they could ever talk to them about, No, not Zaxby's versus Chick-fil-A, but Jesus, Jesus Christ, who coincidentally loves Chick-fil-A more than Zaxby's. But that's not what we're here to talk about and discuss. Let's get back out to Todd now on campus at Kennesaw State University. Todd.
1: This is Tim and this is I. Tim, I wrote a booklet. All right. Can you read that for me? Yes. 13
2: Reasons Why You Should Not Commit Suicide and 13 Reasons Why You Should Live. All
1: right. I'm not going to share the contents of this why do you think so many people especially your age are contemplating suicide what would be some of your reasons to explain that phenomena
2: well i would imagine it's mostly due to despair uh, not knowing what to do with themselves a lack of purpose a lack of direction uh, abuse from their parents, maybe physical or verbal, could be neglect, potential neglect uh, that they feel might not might not be true neglect, might just be them not understanding how people express themselves. They might not know how to properly express themselves. That's just generally. Did you read this already?
1: No, sir. Uh, that was like six or seven of the reasons that I identified. I'm not kidding. All right. So why do you think that those things, let's, you, you started out no purpose... Um, no reason for existence. I think you said things like not really understanding how the universe operates. Okay. Why is that a problem for people? So what?
2: Well, I mean, it comes from a variety of factors. I mean, I, I do, I've read, I've read um, Aristotle's politics. I've read Plato's Republic. And in those books, they actually talk about some of this stuff, the finding of for your purpose and things like that. So, When people don't know what their purpose is, they don't understand what they're even supposed to do. And, you know, a lot of people my age, especially, they just go to college because, well, that's what you do. You go to college. So and when they go to college, they still don't know what they want to do. And that's why graduation year times are increasing. I mean, it's taking people longer and longer to graduate from college. I'm a three and a half year student. I mean, I'll, I'll be graduating this semester, actually. But
1: good. Honey. All right. So then tell me, Tim, from your perspective, forget Plato, forget Aristotle. Yes. What do you believe man's purpose is? Well,
2: I am a very religious man, to be honest with you, upfront and honest with you. So I, I do believe that we are put here for a purpose to to continue on with whatever our creator designed us
1: for said purpose. What religion are you? I am a conservative Protestant. You're a Protestant. All right. So you believe that our purpose in a succinct sentence is man's chief end in life is to what?
2: Well, man's chief purpose in life is to one respect god and to continue on with that and show your love for god to others and to show your love for fellow man to respect man to help man where it is needed i also believe that i have a responsibility to provide for
1: my future family and so that to me gives me purpose let's say i approached you tim and i said i'm wandering around i'm i'm on the 30-year graduation plan i can't figure out life but you seem like a cheerful fellow. You seem like you have your act together. I would like to believe what you believe. So in the most pithy fashion you can, tell me why you think I should become a Christian.
2: Well, I can't really speak for you because I don't understand your journey. That is, that is the, the number one thing. However, I will say that I myself struggled with my faith for a long time. I was born into a very a Protestant family, but also at the same time, I didn't know what to do. I've, I've very much been a very logical person for a very long time. I would have never guessed that. Yes, I know. Very shocking, I'm sure. So I was always trying to piece things together. And it just got to the point to where you can't logic God. No matter how hard you try, you can't logic God. So if you try to do this to the fullest extent, you will never reach that point. So at some point, you do have to make some leap of faith to trust in that. And your your question was about how would, you, how would I convince you And what should I do to convince you That you should become a Christian, and well, part of the reason is Christianity provides you a sense of purpose. I do believe that there is a lack of sense of purpose that is built into society as we have moved farther away from a Christian attitude, and that creates despair. That creates uh, a feeling of
1: neglect and rejection from society. Because okay, hold on, you're you're saying a lot, so I just I just want to respond to a couple of things, and then I'll let you progress. All right, but if I said to you, Tim, actually, I do have purpose. I believe my purpose is to walk around uh, with a cheese block on my head for the rest of my days, and it makes me feel good. I'm satisfied. I'm good to go. So I don't think I need your Christianity. How would you respond? I would respond to that by saying, I hope that you don't plan on achieving anything then. But to me, I'm, I'm, I'm quite content. Cheese block on my head. I'm good to go. So I've got purpose. So I don't think I need Christianity. Okay. So you got the cheese block on your head. You're good. You love
2: cheese and you don't feel like you need anything. I believe that that will actually lead you to despair because you will not achieve anything greater than your purpose of walking around with the cheese block on your head.
1: But I think that's a marvelous goal and I am content. So you're content with living in a... Like a, like a Green Bay Packer fan. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Now, let me, let me back up to another thing you said. You said you don't believe that you can logic or reason your way back to God, correct? I said, you can't logic your way all the way to God, all the way
2: to God. How's about, can you logic yourself all the way to a God? You can, of course, logic your way to a God. That is not the God that I believe in. Yes.
1: All right. So I can understand, I can intuit from nature, from creation. There's a creator. I might be able to conclude powerful, big, strong, creative, artistic, even communicative because we communicate. So why would God be any less? So can I go that far with logic? Yes, you can go that far with logic, yes. Okay. But you believe in the God of the Bible. So what do I need then to make the step from believing in a God to believing in your God? You would need faith. That is the the underlying principle here. Why should I have faith in your God?
2: You should have faith in my God because he will provide you a sense of purpose and meaning into your life that is unlike no other. Um, I believe that he sets up a set of, of frameworks for us to follow that are very important uh, to set me up for success. I have followed them. And I have to say, I'm much happier now that I'm following them. And
1: that's, I, I think that's a just a generally good thing. And we should see that in, in people. Can I tip my hand right now? I'm going to share some, some information about me that you don't currently know. Okay. Here it is. I'm a Christian. Okay. So I don't disagree with anything you said to me, Tim, but here's what I am curious about though. You left out the centerpiece, the core of the Christian faith. Can you tell me what that is? You mentioned a framework. I agree. Christianity is the right framework. Purpose, no question about it. It gives you the most transcendent purpose for living. But there's a big thing that I haven't heard you say that is the the reason for all of this. It's the reason for the framework. It's the reason for your existence. It's the reason for purpose. It is the centerpiece of the Christian faith. What is that?
2: The centerpiece for the Christian faith. Um, the belief that Jesus came and died for us on
1: for our sin. That's what I was looking for. Okay, why didn't you mention that up front?
2: Well, I'm going through the Bible right now, really for the first time, truly studying it, and through the Old and New Testament, and the way. Jesus died for the Gentile and then for the Jew initially to bring the Gentiles into the, to the church. Kind of still trying to understand that part. Uh, but I left it out initially because you were asking questions directly related to my sense of purpose. My purpose is not only built on Jesus. My purpose is built on a framework that Jesus and thus God also created for us. And yes, I do believe that. Um, I do believe it. And I think it is a very, I mean, it is the most important part of Christianity, undoubtedly, but I don't treat Jesus like he's, um, I want to be like him. That is what we are called to do as Christians. But at the same time, I do not wish to try and say like,
1: oh man, I'm coming up with a hard way to explain right, that. Let, let me, let me, let me just grab something that you did say though, that I think is really helpful. When I first asked you, you didn't know what faith I actually am. You offered as the reason, at least the premier reason, was it'll give me purpose. The problem with that, Tim, even though I agree with you, is if I've got purpose or I don't think that I need your purpose, then you're just fired a blank. Okay? But the Christian gospel says everybody on this planet has a need, and that need is forgiveness. We need to be reconciled to God, and nobody can escape that. That's why when somebody says to you, hey, what's up with your faith? What do you believe? If we offer the benefits of it, like purpose or joy, or even I'll be a better parent, all of those can be fruits of what we believe. But if somebody's already a good parent, if somebody already has joy, if somebody already has purpose, then they don't need Jesus. The reason they need Jesus is because he died for them while they were yet sinning, so they could be reconciled to God. So that would be, if somebody asked me, hey, why should I be a Christian? because God died for you. And without the blood of Jesus Christ shed for the forgiveness of your sins, you're going to perish on the day of judgment. And God offers you reconciliation, forgiveness, and everlasting life. If you put your trust in his son, that's what I would have probably led with but i understand why you maybe thought because of the framework of the conversation you just went a different direction
3: and stop Yep, i have to do it again i have to interrupt this conversation and i really don't like doing that but we do have to take this break really quick we've got to pay the bills but i promise we will be back as quickly as possible to continue our eavesdropping on todd and tim you're listening to witness wednesday on wretched radio Confession,
1: normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared Bible.
3: Hey, thank you so much for being here today at Wretched Radio. If you didn't listen, we'd be doing this to... Now, I'm not exactly sure why we'd be doing it, but by the grace of God, you are listening. You choose to tune in here every day, and for that, we are thankful. And we'd also be grateful if you would prayerfully consider joining our mission in reaching millions around the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We also strive to equip people to preach the gospel and to help strengthen the local church. You can join our efforts by becoming a monthly gospel partner. Wretched will always honor your generosity with faithful stewardship and full accountability. Because we fully understand without you there would be no us we would be eternally grateful if you would consider partnering with us by visiting wretched.org donate or by texting the word wretched to the number 44321 that's wretched.org donate or text the word wretched to 44321 wretched amazing grace amazing gospel
1: Despite what all of the headlines say, there is some very good news happening around the globe. Jesus is still fulfilling his promise to build his church. Nothing is going to stop it. And right now in Eastern Europe, he is doing just that through the Tomorrow Clubs, kids clubs all throughout very poor Eastern European countries. And thanks to you, wretched person. More and more clubs are being sponsored, more and more kids are being saved, and more and more churches are being strengthened. Paul Marty from the Tomorrow Clubs.
3: Every time we visit a Tomorrow Club and talk to kids and leaders, we are blown away by the gospel's power to change lives. And the wretched
1: audience has been such a big part of making that possible. Would you please consider sponsoring your very own Tomorrow Club, $30 a month, 30 Little Disciples, TomorrowClubs.org slash wretched.
0: Attributes of God Asseity is the word for God's self-existence. Nobody made God. God is the unmoved mover who causes all other things to be. All things depend on God for their continued existence. God does not need his creation. He chose to create us to glorify him and enjoy him forever. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. We are back to Witness Wednesday here at Wretched
3: Radio. See, I kept my promise. I promised we would be back as quickly as possible and... We are here as quickly as we possibly could return. But we do need to get back out on campus to Kennesaw State University to Todd, because when we last left him, he was talking with Tim, a Christian, about purpose, about his faith, and about the gospel. So let's get back to their chat now. I am intrigued by something you said. You're reading the Old
1: Testament and the New Testament. Got a question for you, Tim, because you're clearly a thinker. Do we see Jesus in the Old Testament?
2: Well. That depends on how you want to define the word see, of course, but, um, just like we see the acts of God in the new Testament, we see the workings of Jesus in the old Testament. How? Because, um, God lays out in the old Testament that you are, he lays out the 10 commandments or some form of law for the Jews to follow. And the Jews, of course, do not fulfill the law they break the law part of that leads to the coming of jesus coming of jesus so i would say that you see jesus in the acts of forgiveness of god because jesus is uh portrayed in the new testament at least in the 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 first four gospels that jesus is a is to come and to save humanity from their sins so And I believe that, yes, God is a loving, forgiving and but also a wrathful God uh, whenever his his people break his. yeah,
1: I agree with you. I do think that the idea of forgiveness, specifically with blood being shed for the covering of sins, that's what the book of Numbers says. There's no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. And the sacrificial system is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You might dig this a lot, Tim, because you're an intellectual guy to boot. Let me take you back to the garden for a second. God creates two human beings as image bearers, male and female, created he them, given one law. Do you remember? Don't eat the fruit, right? What do they do? They eat, the fruit. they eat the fruit. Okay, so suddenly their eyes are open. They see that they're naked. They're ashamed. They know something is very wrong now, and they can't even be with one another naked because of the shame. So they try to cover themselves with leaves. God finds them in the garden, and He does something unique. Never has blood been shed. God kills an animal, takes the skins to cover up the people and their shame and their nakedness. It's a fuzzy picture. And then he says in Genesis 3.15, I'm going to send someone who's going to crush the head of the serpent who tempted you to sin, and his heel is going to be bruised, but he's going to crush the head of the one who led you into temptation. And I think that's the thesis statement of the entire Bible. Who is the one who's going to crush the head of the serpent? Who's going to do that? Who's going to get the job done to deal with my sin problem and my shame problem? We don't get to know who that person is immediately. But then our second story in the Bible is Cain and Abel. Do you remember that story, the details? Uh, vaguely, yes. Okay. Two brothers. Mm. One offered a sacrifice of fruit and vegetables to God. The other shed one of his animals as an offering to God. God wasn't pleased with the vegetables. He was pleased with the shed blood offering.
2: Hmm. I'm
1: going to fast forward to you a little bit more in the book of Genesis. We see the story of a man named Abraham. He was the father of many nations, all right. but he had a son named. Do you remember his son's name? Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac. All right. God promised an old man, you're going to have a baby right. when you get old. He delivers that son, and then God tells him a weird thing to do. Go to this mountain named Moriah, kill your kid. Right. All right. That's seemingly bizarre. So here's what we got. A man with his only beloved son walks up a mountain carrying the wood of the sacrifice on himself. And as the father is, is prepared to sacrifice his only beloved son, God stops him. The son had asked, Father, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham says, God will provide. And in the thicket, God provided a ram, not a lamb. It was kind of a bit of a, 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 a dramatic move to demonstrate God's not providing the lamb yet. But we see the almost sacrifice of a beloved son by his father. Fuzzy, but it's getting a little clear. Now we meet a man named Moses, and he introduces another covenant. And this is the one with all the lambs for the covering, for the shedding of blood, for the covering of sins. More lambs dying for the covering. They never forgave sins. They only covered the sins, hence the Day of Atonement. You shed the blood of the lamb for the covering of sins. Passover, when the Jews were in Egypt, remember you'd have a lamb come and live with you, and then they would shed the blood, put it over the doorpost so that death would pass over. Lamb sacrifice, lamb sacrifice, lamb sacrifice. John the Baptist sees a man walking, and he says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All those sacrifices, all those lambs, they were pointing to Jesus Christ. That's where Jesus is in the Old Testament. Furthermore, you have other typological pictures of Jesus. This is the study of typology. Fuzzy pictures of Jesus, real things, furniture, buildings, people, events, pointing toward the greater reality. So the lambs were a pointer to Jesus, the ark where God destroyed the world with water. He made them an ark with one door so that people could get in and be rescued from death. The New Testament says that Jesus is the door. And it also tells us that Jesus is the ark of our salvation. If we go through the door of Jesus Christ, we'll be saved from the wrath of God. So the story of the ark isn't just some weird little fable for kids. It was pointing to Jesus Christ. Remember the story in the wilderness? The Jews are wandering around. They're being disobedient. God sends snakes to bite them. It seems like kind of a weird sort of story. They cry out for mercy, and God tells Moses to build a serpent to represent the sting of death and put it up on a pole. And if people would look to that serpent, they'd live. Jesus Christ said, just as the serpent was raised up, so must the Son of Man be raised up. That serpent, which was an identifier with sin, was pointing to Jesus Christ, who is the identifier of our sin. And if we'll look to him Will not just have physical life, but will have eternal life. All of these things in the Old Testament were pointing relentlessly to Jesus Christ. Jacob's ladder. Jesus is Jacob's ladder. He's the Ark of our salvation. The manna in the wilderness. He's the bread of life. When the Jews were naughty, saying, "Where's the water you sent us out here so that we could we could die?" So Moses does something very dramatic. He brings God's the complaint of the people to God. And God says, Moses, I want you to set up a courtroom, bring the people who are all guilty criminals. They're accusing me of not providing for their needs. And then Moses, you stand in front of the guilty people who are accusing me, the accusers, and you stand as judge with your staff of authority. And then God had his presence fall on a rock between the people and the judges. And God tells Moses, crack the rock with your staff. And what happens? The rock opens up and water pours out. What was going on? The accusers were actually the criminals accusing God of sinning against them. And there must be a judgment for that. And who receives the punishment for the guilty criminals? God receives the punishment for the accusers on himself And Jesus tells us that he is the living water, that the water that flowed out of the rock was Christ himself. In other words, that was a picture of the gospel, Tim, in the Old Testament, all pointing, pointing, pointing to Jesus Christ. And that alone should cause us to go, that book is supernatural, and I can believe it beyond the shadow of a doubt without any hesitation. So now, one last thing for you, because I just kind of dumped a lesson on you, and you took it well. Jesus said this, unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. Remember in John chapter three, he told that to Nicodemus, unless a man, unless Tim is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. So Tim, what did Jesus mean?
2: Jesus means that if you uh, believe in him and uh, essentially you when you believe in Jesus, believe that he is the son of God, believe that he has come to to believe that he came and died for your sins and then resurrected. If you believe in that, if you truly believe in that, then you are letting your old sinful self die and then to be resurrected in the new body or tree of Christ.
1: Cool. I think that's, that's, that's the point. You die to yourself and you're made alive in Christ. So you've been born again. Yes, sir. When did that happen? Yeah, um, February 18th, 2005.
3: Good on you, so you know. So I'm going to see you in heaven someday. Yes, sir. And amen for that and for Tim and the assurance he has in his salvation. You know, I believe we recently talked about that here on Wretched Radio. One of the most, if not the most common question we get is, how can you know that you know? People all over are struggling with the assurance of their salvation. And listen, the Bible gives us clarity on that subject because God doesn't desire for us to live in a state of confusion. He desires for us to know for sure that we are saved. And I would commend to you, if you're struggling with assurance, read 1 John. Start there. And come back here for more Witness Wednesday next week, and tomorrow for more Wretched Radio. But until then, until tomorrow, go serve your King.